For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, not not too bad, Dan. But as you say, on a football front, things are going going pear shaped by the week, aren't they? So I'm sure we need this one tonight as a little bit of therapy for us all. Boy, don't we! And James, you're back in the fold after a week off. How have you been since we spoke a fortnight ago? Well, yeah, I think uh, Carl's mentioned it there. It's not not been the best week on the pitch. Thankfully, off the pitch, everything is everything's fine and well. Everyone's staying happy and healthy, which is the main thing. Good to hear. And last but not least is a debut cap to Tommy Mitchell, who's recently launched the Spurs Own TV YouTube channel. And he's here tonight to give his audio Spurs thoughts. So, Tommy, how are things with you, my friend? OK, um, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to have uh, positive vibes right now as a Spurs fan. But, you know, the game's come thick and fast. So, Wolfsburg Thursday, West Ham Sunday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Top man. That's all we can do is look forward. But this week, we're going to look back because we've got a nightmare of a week to dissect and before we do let's do the social media bits first so as always don't forget to subscribe to the coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning you can of course follow us across social media we're on Twitter at CYS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms that's Apple Spotify SoundCloud etc if we're not on one let us know and get it on there for you and also if you listen on Apple don't forget to leave us a five star rating Right, let's get down to business. And that business sees us having to look back on a rather tough week, as we've all just said. And Cole, if we look back on Wednesday night, it's fair to say it was a great game for the neutral. The problem is, us four are far from neutral. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As you say, Dan, yeah, if, you, say, if you support anyone other than Everton and Spurs, that was a great game to be sitting there watching. Um, unfortunately for us, it, it wasn't great viewing, um, you know, defensively all over the shop. Um, attacking wise we looked a little bit better and, and lively and, and that was more encouraging wasn't it but again you're just sitting there thinking you know that that really wasn't the sort of game we should have lost in the end and what really hurts really is is the manner of the defeat and the fact that you know it's the manner of the goals that we're conceding right now that are really causing us a problem um, and they're kind of draining away any sort of confidence you had that this is a side that can go on and go deep into competitions um, um, just a real disappointing performance and, and one that we will look back on, I think, and say we should not have got knocked out of that competition on that night by Everton come the end of that game. Um, and I think it will come back to haunt us come the end of the season. That was what I was going to ask James, because we spoke about the FA Cup being arguably bottom of the list of our priorities. You know, when things were going really well, we were sort of going, oh, the FA Cup, that's number four in the list. But... How much will the Everton defeat rankle for you when you consider that really it was a decent opportunity to offer a launch pad into the final third of the season? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, you know, fair enough if it was bottom of our list, but we all need a bit of a pick-me-up right now, I think, um, not least the players on the pitch. So I, I think, you know, when, when we... And I think it's the way that we played as well, obviously. We started the game so well. There was a rare bit of positivity uh, around Spurs' Twitter. Everyone was a little bit, um, you know, excited about the way that we were playing and, and we were creating chances for the first half an hour or so. It looked like we might we might put the game to bed, um, you know, and in, in you know Tottenham fashion, 
we uh, we managed to mess it up. And uh, you know, I, I suppose thinking back, yeah, it's a competition that we we maybe could do without. But when you think of that, I think the manner of the result actually made everything a lot worse because the one thing that we didn't didn't need more of was uh, was individual errors, and every single one of their goals was was from an individual error. You know, you'd think we created enough chances to win the game. We, you know, we had to use Harry in the end. We, let, you know, they lost Calvert Lewin, which is a massive, massive loss for them. And you think, you know, they've they've completely lost all their attacking prowess when he goes off the pitch. But you know what? It, it, it just wasn't to be. Um, as we say, a lot of a lot of individual errors, which which has been the theme of of a lot of our games. And Hopefully, you know, if, if there's any positives to come out of it, it's that that's been highlighted by Jose, by, you know, something that the coaches will be looking for and looking to looking to work upon. Um, and I guess, yeah, we, it's another competition that we haven't got to worry about. The, thick, the fixtures are coming thick and fast anyway. So, uh, you know, trying to trying to stay positive about it. But at the end of the day, conceding five goals in the way that we conceded them against Everton is, is no good in any competition. So, Tommy, after hoping that we'd be competing on four fronts, realistically, it's two. So how pivotal will the last seven days be in the context of the campaign? Will you look back at this and think, this is where it's fallen apart, or has the damage been done earlier on? I think, I think certainly, certainly the damage was done earlier on. We saw some, we saw some uh, shoots of recovery against West Brom, but we have to, we have to remember, it's West Brom. Uh, and... You know, he has Mourinho. We're going more attacking. You saw from the West uh, Brom game, the fans. We need a higher line. We've gone with the higher line. Uh, it certainly it killed us against Everton. The five goals, the five goals against a team that had a very very weak bench going into extra time. That was the mo- most worrying aspect. They had an awful bench. We go into the last thirty minutes of the game. We did not need. We did not need another thirty minutes. And if we do, if we do have another thirty minutes, we needed to get through to the quarterfinals. So that was, yeah, that was that was that was horrific. But the damage was done earlier on in the season with Mourinho's negative negative football. He tr- he's tried to uh, he's tried to, tried to get back with it, but you know against Everton and Man City, uh, we just we we struggle. We struggle. Okay then, Carl. So if Tommy said we're playing more attacking, it's obvious that there's been a clamour for the shackles to be released, shall we say? Now, was Wednesday a case of be careful what you wish for? And because of that, will Jose now revert to type and say, well, you had your chance, we're going back defensive? Well, I guess the worry is, isn't it, is, you know, we've seen in the past and, and Jose has a track record that if his side gets thumped all of a sudden, he, he can kind of revert to this sort of negative and I just want to shore up the, the shop for a few weeks, don't we? I think, as people say, you know, he's only lost by a couple, like by five goals a few times in his career. Um, and as we know, because it was gave us one of the better nights we've had um, in a long while, when we put five against his Chelsea team, they then just shut up shop for the rest of the season, didn't they? And went on to go and like just win each game sort of one nil or just get it over the line. Um, so Jose does have a history of potentially suddenly get getting sort of burnt and then going, right, I'm not letting that happen again. Um, I'd like to think he wouldn't do that because as we've saying, when you look at the game, we caused Everton so many problems and we looked so good attacking them the way we did. The only shame was just that, you know, let's say those defensive errors and those calamities for their goals were what cost us. It wasn't the fact we were playing that attacking sort of football, because if those individuals don't make those errors, then, you know, we, we're tight at the back and, and we're looking really dangerous 
going forward. So you'd like to think hopefully the manager can pick out those bits and say, well, no, hang on. It wasn't just because we went attacking. It was, you know, you've got a goalkeeper who who's throwing them in and got, you know, hands like Weetabix at the moment. Um, you know, you've got defenders just making silly decisions, a midfielder who just gets caught out by, you know, getting himself too close. And, and you've got to try and pick the pieces apart, haven't you, and say it wasn't because we just went attacking. That wasn't the reason we lost that game. And on another night, if those mistakes don't happen, we possibly win that game 4-1 or, you know, look comfortable. So we've got to hope Jose doesn't revert to that. Um, I think we've seen, you know, the trouble is, even if you say go defensively, have we got the defensive capabilities to play a defensive game? I would say we haven't because we've got too many players who make too many mis- mistakes and, and don't use their brains when they need to. Um, so I just hope Jose doesn't revert to type and, and maybe the team selection he put out against Man City showed that he might not do that because I think we was probably all surprised with the lineup that we put out because it was reasonably attacking and, and on the front foot given how we thought the game might go um so that's just hope he kind of scrubs those two games if you like scrub those two games out but keep the philosophy and say okay just need to shore it up a bit and get players to stop doing that and and those you know that especially well especially the Everton game not so much the City game could have been different and it could have been a good result based on the philosophy we went into the game with this is it James because if you look at the actual Everton game itself we started really brightly I mean Lucas should have scored within what 90 seconds we're one up within three minutes through Davinson Sanchez. The first 20 minutes, it's wave after wave of attack. And at that point, you're not really even thinking, oh, we should probably score two just to make sure this game's killed off. You know, it looked quite comfortable. So how does that become such an interesting evening thereafter? I think, you know, it's it's what we've mentioned on this pod, you know, so many times before this season, is that 1-0 just isn't a, a good scoreline ever. Because... You know, as soon as as soon as the team gets one chance and that chance goes in, then their tails are up, and and we, you know, we're probably feeling a little bit hard done by that we aren't uh, two, you know, two or three up by then. And and if you you know, if you haven't got the game put to bed, then you're always kind of looking over your shoulder that that Everton are gonna are gonna make something out of nothing. And and in the end, that's that's what it was. You know, as I say, an individual individual error, and someone like Calvert Lewin is always going to be snuff, sniffing around the box. Yeah, things have gone wrong to lead to the goal, but that's what happens in football. So, 1-0 was never, ever going to be the way it finished. It was like, we're all going to get get another another chance at their end. And uh, and then after that, it was kind of just a comedy of, of whose who's defenders could play worse and whose goalkeeper could be uh, as anonymous. Because I think I thought Olsen had a, had a great start to, to the game. He was saving everything. And then after that, couldn't really get near anything else, uh, and and Larice obviously had had a, a real real bad game. But the the guy, the four guys in front of him, ten guys in front of him, didn't didn't really do much to protect him. So uh, I think it was more defenders playing very badly than than strikers playing playing very well. Um, but you know, as as you said, we we things were 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 almost too positive in in the first half. Everyone. Seemed to be happy with the way we were playing. We were creating chances. We we probably should have put put the game to bed, um, but you know that's how football works. If you don't put you put your chances away, then there's always that that cruel, uh, you know, fate is going to come and get you, and uh, and that's what happened. So Tommy, I guess the catalyst for Everton's charge into the game was Dominic Calvert-Lewin's equaliser. 
Now, in that goal, you could say a couple of players didn't cover themselves in glory, that being Hjoiberg for giving the ball away on the edge of the box, and Lloris for his rather, you know, pick your biscuit or poppadom-based wrist that, you know, it's been everything <laughs> over the last couple of days. So, you know, there's really a case of for every goal, point the finger at blame. But for those two, that goal, do they have to hold their hands up and say, yeah, we made a mistake here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, it was it was a powerful drive. The Loris, the Loris, well, you know, error. It was a powerful drive, but you know, it's straight at him. It's straight at him. Same in the Man City game. The shots that the shots that was you know were straight at him were powerful drives. But a keeper of his quality, you know, 120 caps for France. He's been a servant to this club for a very long time. You know, I think he's on he's on his way out. He's certainly on his way out, and you know, he can take a lot of the defence with him because. Against against Everton, it's nice. It's nice to you know take the reins away a little bit and go attacking. But if that's going to be the outcome, if the outcome is to concede five, and to look to lose the game in extra time again with that weak Everton bench, then you know I'd rather not. I'd rather you know we we push the the line back, push the line back a bit. The the problem with Mourinho is he can't find the balance. The the balance is not there. So he goes really high line against Everton. We concede five. He goes ultra deep against Manchester City. Uh, you know, we can we can see free because we can't. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground there. Um, so we need to find a middle ground, but we we can't do it with this defence. Quite frankly, we cannot do it with this defence. Quite frankly. So uh, and we yeah we saw that we saw that in the Everton game and and of course in the Man City game where they they weren't at their best. Man City it was just error after error after error, and it's the same thing again and again and again. So Carl, in terms of Joyberg. Again, not the best game last Wednesday. Dare we say, not the best game last Saturday. Of course, to his own high standard. So, you know, let's use that as the barometer. But the key moment for him on Wednesday was the penalty award that made it 3-1. So, if you're looking at that and the roles are reversed, are you clamouring and shouting at your TV thinking, that's a penalty to Spurs? It's a hard one, isn't it? I feel for him with both of these penalties that he's conceded because I guess the only thing that you kind of aim at him, um, and it's something I've said on numerous weeks and we've chatted about, you know, when we're watching the games, is sometimes there's an an over keenness to get, you know, for our players to get really close to our opposition players to the point where they they kind of make it easy to give fouls away and free kicks away because they're too keen to go and win the ball and they're are times where you can you know get close enough to a guy to put some pressure on but don't get close enough to give him an easy an easy option of going down and giving the free kick we've seen haven't we you know the, you know the one the Everton one that gets free one he's not you know it, it's one of those annoying ones isn't it he doesn't mean to foul the guy um and there'll probably be minimal you know amount of contact between them but as we've seen and we saw it in a couple of games recently if the guy goes down in the penalty box there and they think there's been contact they're going to get given um and again you wouldn't sit there and go it was a completely reckless tackle and it's a guy who's lost his head but maybe it is a guy who just sometimes gets himself a bit too keen and, and rushes in a little bit too quickly and it can you know it can go against you because you know we know now modern players will go down at the slightest touch um, and if they're in the penalty box you've always got the risk of giving a penalty away and unfortunately for Hoiberg you know Calvert-Lewin kind of you know Got, got behind him, you know, no one was really watching the run. 
he gets himself too close. And of course, soon as he goes down, you're not going to get that penalty overturned. And it kind of, you know, 3-1, you then, we've, you know, at that point, it, it was hard to watch, wasn't it? Because, you know, we'd gone one up and we'd been in the game and thinking, well, yeah, OK, we've made a mistake. And then all of a sudden, within the space of five minutes, you're 3-1 down, staring at a defeat, going, I can't believe the way we've played here. We're 3-1 down and this game is slipping away from us. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do feel for him in a sense because I'd be more annoyed if they were complete reckless lunges in the penalty box. And, and in my opinion, if they were dire tackles like in the Chelsea game where you're thinking you're on the floor, you're in no position to start trying to tackle this bloke, yet you have, um, then I'd be more annoyed. I think these ones were just unfortunate. And, and the one against Man City is almost, is almost identical in, in what's happened. So, James, when we put key players on a pedestal and they make key errors, there's almost a sense of, well, hang on, you can't say that about him because they had so much credit in the bank over the season so far that they kind of are immune to criticism. But do we have to sort of point a finger at Schoenberg? Or are these lapses at the moment a circumstance of tiredness and being run into the ground after such a good season? Yeah, I think he's been so perfect up until now that that he has been slightly immune from criticism. But we, as, as Tottenham fans, are... You know that does happen quite a lot, in my opinion. I think there there are quite a lot of players in our in our team that are quite well protected. You know, I think um, Son has has for me has been one of the players who who very rarely gets criticised, even though he he can be very very quiet in games where we we need him to to stand up and be counted. You know, if if he was having you know a, a really rough patch of form and it and it started getting on. People started taking notice of his of his bad performances. I think he'd be getting a lot more stick because he he tends to dip out of the challenge, of the challenge every now and then. Um, but because he has got that moment of brilliance in him and he has rescued us so many times, it means that he has, as you say, kind of banked up all of the his 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 good crit you know his, his criticism on is that it's not as loud, you know. Um, and so it's the same for Hoiberg there. Uh, he's he's been so good all season. And uh, he, we think that he's been—he is completely immune to criticism, but but he's not. You know, there were a couple of a couple of very lazy tackles, um, especially the one at the weekend. You know, just a, a bit of a, a clever from Gundogan, but I think it's it's a lazy challenge. And yeah, if, if we're looking for excuses, we could say that he, he he could be pretty tired. You know, he's he's played every minute in the Premier League, and then we've also had to had to call on him. A lot of times, you know, there's been games where we, you know, we were hoping that we could leave him on the bench, and and he's he's had to come off the bench at half time just to shore things up. And we look a completely different team when we haven't got him in there because he he does do a role that we haven't got anyone else who who is able to do that role. So look, I I I don't, I don't want to say that he is immune to criticism, but I think he it's he's he's allowed to to have accumulated it over over the time because he he's been so so good. And uh, and and he must he must be absolutely knackered because of the amount of football he's played. Um, but I think as Spurs fans, we we can be a little bit narrow-minded um, when it comes to criticizing players. You know, even if Sanchez has Davinson Sanchez has a good game, then you know it's whisper it very quietly because his his scapegoat of the month. And I, I you know I agree he he has been absolutely terrible. But it's, it is a little bit uh, two-faced when it comes to us as supporters that that certain players are a lot more protected than others, and and the criticism for for certain players is a lot louder than others. Um, 
but yeah, I, I can't see that changing anytime soon. And uh, and hopefully we can we can find a way to to give him a bit of a rest, and and hopefully you can keep those concentration levels where we need them to be because he's a really important player for us. Well, Tommy, if we stay on the topic of immunity, of course, the most um, obvious component of this is Harry Kane, and rightly so because he's done wonderful things for the club. However, if we're being critical. He was guilty of having his pocket picked in the build-up to Everton's eventual winner. So that's something that's unlike our talisman, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. But um, it's very, very difficult to be critical of Harry Kane. I mean, uh, he'd come back from injury in that game. In that game, and he was... Uh, he was, it, was, um, it, was it was basically his, his second game since he'd come back from injury. And in many ways, that's why I feel you know, he struggled against Man City. So to, to, to put any blame on him is, is extremely, extremely, uh, extremely, extremely difficult. Um, I, you know, I do think when, when we're looking at the immunity subject, I think Ndombele, Ndombele gets, gets a rite of passage when, quite frankly, the last three or four games, he has struggled. I know he's got a new row. He's got a new row next to Hoiberg. And, you know, we just discussed Hoiberg, but in many ways, maybe he's forced to make these challenges, these last-ditch challenges in the penalty box, because he hasn't got the Sissoko next to him. He hasn't got that Sissoko next to him. And then Domble, I haven't been that impressed with him in this uh, in this uh, deeper row, to be honest with you. So um, when it comes to immunity, Ndombele, we've got to look at Ndombele. And yeah, Kane, yeah, you can't you can't give him you can't give him any flack at the moment. We saw what we were without Kane against Brighton and Chelsea. And I think we had two shots on target. Son was half the player. And Son rightly needs to get some criticism. Because Kane can play with anyone. I'm not sure Son can. I'm not sure Son can. And Domblay, and Domblay, we need to be looking at him. And we need to find his best position, that is for sure. I'm not sure it is next to Hoiberg. OK, then, Carl, let's stay on the topic of that very player. Not really what he did against uh, Everton, but the person who came on for him. That being Harry Winks. Now, I know some fan went to the effort of making a, a compilation video of, shall we say, Winks' best bits, which is a bit harsh, you know, when you look at it in that kind of isolation. But over 30 minutes, that was a performance to forget. And when you look at that, do we have to now accept that perhaps he's not quite up to the standard that we really need? I, I think, Dan, and, and I don't exaggerate when I say this, I think it was probably one of the worst substitute performance I've seen yeah. in 44 years of following the club. Wow. Um, you know, the guy just came on and nothing he did was was what you'd call quality. He couldn't trap a ball properly. You know, every time he trapped it, it would bounce off him and go away. Um, most of the passes were passes that then lost us possession. Um, and you know, and and at the at the end, ultimately, he he gifts he kind of is the one that loses possession and costs us the winning goal in in the second half of extra time. You know, just again a poor poor touch, lack of control. Um, and then you end up looking there thinking, well, listen, I know Ndombele was bree was gone. Um, you know, he struggles to play 90 minutes, let alone this. But I actually would have preferred just to see Ndombele standing in the centre circle than, than the contribution Winks made that night. But this has been coming, hasn't it, I think, with Winks. You know, as much as we all want him to do well, um, and when he first burst onto the scene, we did look like we had a real good player on our hand. But I just think we are seeing a regression of the guy 
um, as each season goes on. And I think Winks falls into that category. Unfortunately, you know, I don't believe we've got this great youth system that people seem to think we have down at the club because all I keep seeing us at the moment is churning out bang average midfielders. Um, you know, I haven't seen a creative player come through the system that makes you go, oh, you know, look at this guy. You know, where's our Phil Foden? Where's our Grealish? You know, where are these creative players coming through the youth system at the moment? You know, we're just banging out bang average centre midfielders that yes can knock it sideways look pretty go backwards um so I, I do think Winks is just another one in that line isn't he you know Carroll you know he's the next Tom Carroll he's the next you know the these players we've just produced too many of them and I think Winks is just going to fall into that category as well and a player that I'd be very surprised if he's with, still with us next season, I think, you know, Oliver Skip's emergence and, and what he's doing in the championship is probably going to push him ahead of Winks next season as well. Then you're looking at, obviously, you know, you'll be bringing players in. To bring players in, you've got to push players out. Winks would be one of those that I'm seriously looking at going, well, if I get a half-decent offer for the guy, I'm taking it because what I'm seeing now is just a player that's going backwards and actually a player that when he's in the side is actually causing the side more problems than actually helping the side create things. So, James, by the same token, there's perhaps a more difficult discussion because we need to speak about Hugo Lloris. Now, you're probably the wrong... Actually, I know you're the wrong person to ask because you always sing his praises, and again, rightly so, on the basis of his Tottenham career. But on the evidence of the last week, and it's easy to be very reactionary, but, you know, since, let's say, I don't know, December, the turn of the year, the form is starting to drop off, is he part of a summer rebuild that sees him exit the club? I mean, you, you're right, Dan. I, I'm, I am the, the guy's biggest fan. You know, I think he's. We all spoke when he when he had that injury against Brighton, and we thought that was him done. We we were never going to see him again. And since then, he seems to have just got better and better. And you know, this is right that you say that this this week would be reactionary. You know, to say that we need. To, I've seen a lot of people saying that they want him out of the club, and you know, he's he's a mid-table goalkeeper. All this, which is which is complete rubbish. Um, you know, we've seen the, the the best goalkeepers in the world make mistakes, and I understand that, that Larice has made, you know, a, quite a few errors in in just this past week. But you know, you've got goalkeeper. Look at Allison this weekend. You know, he's supposedly the best goalkeeper in the league, and 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 he's he's abs- making absolute howlers. You've got Leno at, at, at Arsenal, great goalkeeper, making howlers as well. It, it does happen to the best of them. Um, for me, though, what it does show is that, you know, this is something that we are going to need to plan for. The few, you know, Hugo is is going to leave the club in the next couple of years, and that that transfer to PSG makes sense for literally everybody. You know, PSG they're they're playing in a in a league where he's probably not going to face too many shots, and so he's a, he's a winner. He gets to meet back up with Pochettino. He gets to play and and ultimately win trophies in the country of his birth, the country that he's going to captain, uh, at, probably at the next World Cup. So, you know, if we're talking about maybe trying to get a transfer fee for him and being able to get someone else in, then it would make sense for this to be the year. You know, you've got Harry there wait, just waiting to take on the captain's armband. Uh, you've got Nick Pope playing at Burnley, playing absolutely out of his skin. Uh, and for you know, if 
because he's a goalkeeper, it naturally means that he's not going to command the transfer fee that that we all that, that w- other players would. And so, therefore, if you say you do get twenty million for 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 Larice in the summer, if you offer thirty five million pounds for for Nick Pope, I think Burnley struggle to turn that down, especially in the current climate. You know, Burnley they're not a club who who have got a lot of a lot of spare money. Um, you know, not that any club really does at the moment, but them, especially not them. You know, uh, and if we've managed to raise part of part of a transfer fee that is going to, you know, nail down a goalkeeper for the next couple of years, a goalkeeper who who fits our bill. It's another you know homegrown player, um, and and he's showing very very promising signs. Then you know it's going to have to happen at some point. So why why wait until Hugo is 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 too old to to do anything, and he's not going to get a transfer fee. Uh, if this is the summer that it it makes sense for everyone, then then so be it. And and to me, that's 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 painful because, you know, the the players that we fall in love with over the years, the the players that that got us where we got to. So you know, so so such a good team that as as Pochettino said, we needed a painful rebuild, uh, and and that might be part of it. Um, whether any any kind of deal materialises, or or maybe his form might just pick up. You know, he he might show that he he can still be a top class Premier League goalkeeper, which I I firmly believe he can be. Um, but come the summer, it could be a completely different situation, and it could make perfect sense for everyone involved. So, Tommy, when you consider Larice being in such good form, you know, after the uh, the break in the Premier League last season, but what with Project Restart and all that. Even the first few months of this season, as we're flying high at the top of the table, do you think there's any coincidence in the downturn now? These links to PSG are getting a bit more stronger. You know, Poch is in, wants to get the band back together. Do you think his head has been turned? Very possibly, very possibly. And you can say the same for a number of Spurs players. I mean, obviously, Deli Ali was very closely linked to, um, and he's been absolutely horrific. His sub appearances in the last two games have been horrific. And Loris, yeah, Loris, the same. I think his head has been turned. And you know he's a he's a he's a France legend. He will go in that he will go in that Paris Saint Germain team, no questions asked. He he is an absolute as as Kane is a talisman for us. Hugo Lloris is a talisman for French football. And yeah, certainly his head's been turned. He can end his career back in France. I I just want to ask I just want to ask James, what was the fee you said about Nick Pope? Was it thirty five million? Did you say thirty five million? I think you put thirty-five million pound on the table, and I think Burnley find that that difficult to turn down. Just with you know the way things are at the moment, they're a team who who haven't uh, haven't got a lot of money at the moment, and you know I, I know a lot of team, a lot of clubs don't, but look, you know Burnley they're not exactly the big spenders in in the league. So I think if you put that on the table, uh, as well as a good contract for Nick Pope, I think I think they certainly think about it. See, see, the thing is there. 35 million. Uh, honestly, I don't think you'd get his left shin pad for 35 million. Because, I mean, Kepa's going. Kepa's going two years ago for 70 million from abroad. So, And, you know, Burnley have got new owners. I think that Nick Pope, you're looking at minimum 50 million, 60 million pounds. But we should put, we need to, we need to spend that money. We need to spend that money. He is an absolute class goalkeeper. And, you know, if we've got Mourinho next season, he's not he's not in the same bracket as Allison or Edison. He's not a ball playing goalkeeper. He's a shot stopper like Larice, but ten years younger. So he's the man we have to get. We can't wait another season. We can't wait another season. 
This this defence needs an overhaul. And Lloris has been a great servant, but his, his time's up. He can link, he can go back to Pochettino as far as I'm concerned. He can end his career there. Yeah, you make a very good point about Pope. If it is fifty million, you'd have to look at it as a worthwhile investment because of the length of service that you should get out of Pope in goal. Really, you know, goalkeepers go on longer than outfield players, and Pope's at that kind of age where really he's not even hit his peak. So it would be an exciting move. But the, the trouble, the trouble there as well, though, Dan is. This club ain't spending fifty million on a goalkeeper True. and then getting you three or four other defenders alongside that around that that potentially could cost that sort of money. That that's cloud cuckoo land. Levy and Enoch are not spending that sort of money on one player, especially a goalkeeper, when you've got the rebuild job that needs to be done around that. Because it's not just defenders. You need creative midfielders. You need another striker. You need, in my opinion, another winger, another dangerous winger that goes alongside Kane and Son. It, this is going to have to be a case of pick your players um, and your most key area to strengthen. And as much as with Hugo's age, we do need to possibly look at bringing a younger goalkeeper in. You're not spending 50 million of your transfer budget, which, let's face it, given COVID and the world we're in right now, you know, you ain't getting two, 300 million to go and spend and blow on a load of players. So you're not getting a top class goalkeeper as well as two possible centre halves. You know, the potential that you might need another left back if the guy goes back to Real Madrid. Plus, you need a right back because you've got two donkeys in that position right now who just make errors. So this this is cloud cuckoo land stuff that we're going to spend that money on a goalkeeper. So, James, does the Europa League come at just the right time for Hugo in terms of a rest? Because if you concede eight goals in a week, you're in the firing line, aren't you? So does Thursday offer an element of convenience for the Frenchman? Yeah, I think it... it... It's a bit obvious that, that Joe Hart is, is going to be the, the man for the Europa League. Um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to, you know, if if Tottenham keep a clean sheet in midweek and it's Joe Hart's clean sheet, the whole, oh, is he, is he going to take his place in the Premier League? Because, look, we've seen Joe Hart's goalkeeping this season and just because Lloris has had a couple of bad games doesn't mean that we, we should be, you know, making that swap. So... You know, whatever happens in the week, Hugo's going to be our, our Premier League goalkeeper. He's still the best goalkeeper at the club and he'll be kicking himself as much as, as everyone else is kicking him while he's down. So for me personally, it's 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 pretty reactionary. It's, he, he has made a few errors, but he's also, as I've said many times on the pod, he's he's saved our skins a lot of times. He's made saves that a lot of goalkeepers wouldn't have made. Uh, and yeah, it obviously is a it is a big criticism that when he makes an error, it tends to be in quite a big football match, and, and it tends to lose his points. But do you know what? He's he he isn't immune to criticism, just like the rest of them. But I think he he has earned um, you know a little bit of slack when it comes to to making an error. You can throw all the cliches out, out out there that you like. You know, the goalkeeper if he makes a mistake, it ends up in the back of the net. All that. Um, but I, I think you know he he'll be kicking himself, and hopefully for the rest of the season he'll he'll have you know the concentration will be ten out of ten, uh, and even even if Joe Hart, as I say, if Joe Hart does have uh, a great game in midweek, then we can't be talking about having him as our number one because he he has shown that he's got a mistake in him. Well, Tommy, to play devil's advocate, that was going to be my next question. Could you see Mourinho sending a message such as that and playing Hart at the weekend if he has a good Europa League showing? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. You're not having it, no. I mean, I, I mean, I've just been extremely critical of Lloris there. We need to move him, up, move him on, but absolutely not. Joe Hart will not be that. Will not be that goalkeeper. Um, I, I look at it and and he's been average. Hart has been average. But yeah, I can't. I can't see that. Cause as much as I'm critical towards Lloris, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. He's he's more than good enough, Lloris. I just think overall we, we need an overhaul throughout the, the whole back four and goalkeeper. We need to start again. Basically, we need to start again. Reggie's okay. Reggie's okay. Other than that, we need to start again. Absolutely, start from scratch. And that you know, unfortunately, Lloris is part of that. But he he stays. He stays for the rest of the season for sure. Yeah, I think we have to look at it in the wider context of the summer, not Sunday, because I think you're right. It's just we're only cutting our nose off to spite our face if we start Joe Hart in the Premier League. But, Carl, if we look at the defence, as has just been touched on very quickly there, that's arguably the biggest concern of all, because it's all very well having, you know, whatever goalkeeper in the sticks. If the four or five, depending on the system, are letting you down in front of you, then we've got trouble. Now, we're at the point where we're trying all kinds of combinations, nothing's working, and we're almost, or are at the point, where we've run out of combinations. So what happens now? Yeah, this is the problem, isn't it? You know, Jose doesn't know. I think Jose doesn't know what his preferred kind of defensive line is. And I think now, as we've seen, you know, we haven't got a best defensive line of we, you know, it's kind of all these players that can come in can make mistakes. So I do think we're at a point now where Jose needs to pick that, pick four and say, right, this is my this is my main four that I'm going to play. Um, for me now, I, I would be having Toby and Tanganga as my centre-halves, you know. I like Tanganga. I thought he did well this weekend, but, you know, the guy's not a full-back. Um, I want to see him get that centre-back position and just develop that. I think you've got to have Toby in there because, for me, Toby's probably the best of the rest. You know, he, he's he's probably the most solid one. And then he also offers you his passing ability and his passing range that can also springboard those counter-attacks. So, for me, you know, that's the two that I'd like to see. And as much as I hate, you know, the left side is covered, you know, we and we got, you know, we got Regulon who's going to play there. And again, don't get me wrong, defensively, I still think he's got a lot to learn, but it's what he offers you going forward that kind of gets him in the side because he has that pace that kind of suddenly makes you dangerous and makes teams worry about you. And then he's got the pace that can also get him back and, and get those last ditch tackles in if needed. And unfortunately, I think on the right side, you know, if I'm looking at the two guys that are playing right back at the moment, none of them kind of make you want to put them. But I, I would probably just pip Surge over over Doherty at the moment because I think, you know, he offers a little bit more going forward, a little bit more pace. He can get into some good positions. And I think, you know, you've got to just stick with that now and say, right, listen, we know this needs an, an this needs an overhaul because all these players um, are liable of making a mistake, especially, you know, just brain dead mistakes where they just go barging into someone or give a needless free kick away. So just keep, you know, get a consistency going with those four, let them build up a relationship, try and get themselves sorted where they stop making those kind of mistakes and, and see where that takes you. Because right now, you, as we all know, come the summer, we do need to get in, you know, I say one, 
possibly two centre-halves, you know. But again, you're looking at a future. I give Tanganga a run because he's, he's, he has impressed. So you need to buy one real commanding centre-half in the summer. You know, you need to try and find as close to a Van Dyke as you can possibly go and get. You definitely need a right-back, you know. And as I say, we won't know yet, but if Real Madrid want to flex their muscles, they could possibly call uh, Reguilon back. And then we're finding that we've got to go and get another left-back, you know unless potentially Sessegnon comes back and can fill that void. Given his performances before his loan, you wouldn't have been encouraged by what you've seen. If he has a good loan spell, who knows? Maybe he comes back and can start filling that position. Um, but I would pick, you know, I would just go with a centre, with a back four now and let them kind of develop some form of relationships. And, and who knows? Maybe that's the way to go. You know, chopping and changing clearly hasn't worked. So, James... What about Ben Davis? Has he got to the point where he's also sort of playing himself out of a future at the club? Or is his salvation the fact that if we lose, say, two centre-backs in the summer, his next primary role is a left-sided centre-back who can make the numbers and then we get stock up at left-back? You know, what happens to the Welsh international? I think I agree in what he said there in, in that he's he's probably just there to make up the numbers. Um He's, he. T- I think he's going to be a player who we don't need to replace um, as quick as other players. He, he obviously his ability to play more than one position is going to come in pretty handy. Um, and as as a, a you know a utility left back, a backup left back, or backup left centre back, he's probably going to be a, quite handy to have in and around the club. Um, whether he's whether he's knocking on the door of the starting eleven or not, um, obviously our. Uh, Reguilon needs to be our priority. He's he he completely changes the whole dynamic of our entire team, not just our defence. Uh, and so he needs to be in there. And and hopefully Sessegnon coming back to the club will mean that we've got two players kind of in that mould, um, playing either left back or left wing back. But in terms of Davis, we don't, it's not someone who should be top of the priorities list to to get rid of uh, and to replace because there's plenty more players that, that we do need to get rid of and we do need to replace before him. So I, I can't see him going anywhere. Um, I can see him playing a bit of a, you know, quite a bit part role. But, you know, your squad needs those players. Every, every team needs those players. So I think Davis will probably stay at Spurs. OK, then, Tommy, when it comes to trying to spin our woes, it always comes back to blame and where that blame is apportioned. So it's the manager, it's the players, it's Enoch, it's Daniel Levy. Do you think there's one sole reason for where it's all going wrong or is it a chain of command that starts with Enoch and trickles back down to the players? Um, I think, do you know what? I think Enoch have, overall, overall, they haven't invested like they should have. But I was discussing this with a couple of friends, a couple of Spurs uh, friends today. And... You know, everybody was talking about Pochettino wasn't giving the money back in the, you know, the title, the title contention against Leicester and the season after where we were really good too. But, but I felt as if Pochettino, he was too loyal. He was too loyal to too many players for too long. I don't think he really wanted money until maybe the last seasons when he really wanted the investment. So I don't think Enoch can be, you know, completely to blame. And that was probably the time when they're, you know, they're finishing off the stadium. And you have to look at that. You have to look at that. But at the end of the day, they've had the tools. They've had the tools. We've got very, very good players. I mean, these players were the same players around four or five years ago. We talked Lloris. You know, Dyer was playing, you know, defensive midfield. They were all there. All these players were there. 
we've just uh, we've just fallen off a cliff. The team has fallen off a cliff. The manager needs to take the brunt of it, and so do the players because Mourinho is trying to adapt. He's not an adapting manager. He's you know he, he plays a, a solid, consistent back four like he did at Chelsea, Inter, Real Madrid, but the players that they're not they're not adapting. The defence is all over the place. And I have to second what Carl said about the consistency. Consistency is absolutely key now, which is why I'm shocked. We went, we, we, we dropped Toby for Sanchez for Dyer. We played Toby and Sanchez the last two games. And uh, yeah, we drop. We drop him. Toby's got to be, you know, he's the best of a bad bunch. And the players have got to start absolutely. The, the brunt of it comes down to the players for me. So, Carl, if we look at Mourinho's, shall we say, managerial stock at the moment... It's plummeting. And because of that, there's talk of getting a progressive coach in. Names such as, well, Julian Nagelsmann tops the list. Do you ever see that working? Is it a case of if that happens, we hit the reset button and here we go again? Uh, the, the problem here, I mean, Twitter's been going mad with all these managers, isn't they? And you kind of think it's like, it's like wasted wasted time and conversations because Jose's not going anywhere, This especially this season. Um, and, I, and I think, to be honest, ultimately it would take a massive, massive collapse this season for Daniel Levy and the board to even think about sacking him uh, come the end of the season. And I'm talking, you know, an embarrassment in the League Cup final where it's like five or six nil going out badly, possibly in this round of the Europa League and then fizzling away to sixth or seventh or eighth in the league. And then I think the board would probably go, well, actually, listen, you know, we might need to do something here. I think if he gets into the later stages of the Europa League and we're talking quarterfinals, semifinals, we're in and around that top four. I don't see him sacking him, to be honest, because I, I think, say, Daniel's been chasing this guy for a long while. I think we've seen the quality that he's got to work with. You know, this. You know, I, I've said today to someone. You know, I'm on the fence here with Jose at the moment. I am starting to worry. I do think there are warning signs and and worrying signs that you know. Yes, the guy was the best manager in the world football at one point, but that was a good few years ago. Now we've seen his last few jobs haven't set the world on fire. His man management does come under question now as to whether his techniques or tactics work anymore with modern players. So I do think the jury for me is well and truly out as to whether he's the guy actually that is the sort of winner that people kind of consider him to be anymore. Um, the, the biggest problem we have is if you get rid of him and we reset and we go again, does anyone else come in and can they do any better with the squad that we've got? Because again, it, you know, some of it is on the players and the quality that they bring, you know, Davinson Sanchez to me, isn't just because he's playing under Mourinho that he's making the mistakes he makes. He makes them mistakes because he just isn't a quality footballer. You know, he, he's okay at a certain level. That level isn't a level that's going to win you premier leagues and, and take you in to the top echelons of Europeans elite. Um, and, and does any manager, can any manager get any more out of that player if that's what that player is? I'm not so sure. We know this is not a club that's, you know, this is not a Chelsea that are going to get rid of a manager, bring a new one in and then say, right, here's 250, 300 million, go out, get who you want and, and we'll go again. This is a club that even if they replace the manager will say you've still got restrictions to work in and these are the restrictions you've we think you've got a good enough squad. Um, so maybe it isn't the way to go. But for me, I'm really on the fence at the moment with Jose because I do see worrying signs where I think, you know, this this 
you know, maybe, you know, we've just got Joe say, you know, and it would be typical Spurs. We've got the winner when he isn't a winner anymore. So, James, in terms of league ambition, what's the realistic target now? Because over the course of a season, it's gone from, do you know what, we could actually win this to a top four finish to, well, maybe top six if we're lucky. So where are we going to end up? I think the the top four still has to be the target, obviously. Um, I mean, the league's gone now. The league has, has been long gone for a little while. But, um, you know, we have to be aiming for that top four. We're only, we're only what, four points out of the, out of the top four? Um and so you know that that is doable. We can we can make up those points. Um, if we just aim for the top six, then you know surely all our all our ambition has gone as a club. Uh, but personally, I just want to what I want to get out of this season, whether it's um, Tottenham playing in the Champions League, Tottenham playing Europa League. It, for me, I just want to I just want to enjoy watching Tottenham again. Um, you know that that is the main thing that has changed for me is that I I don't look forward to their fixtures as much as I used to even even in the bad days under Pochettino I was I was still invested you know I was still I was still hurt when we lost and you know the thing that has changed for me is is that I don't I don't feel myself hurting as much when when Tottenham lose which to me is is a worrying thing it's it's a worrying sign because you know it used to ruin my week Tottenham Tottenham losing uh, and and now I'm I'm kind of just a bit numb to it all really you know we're we're not playing well we're expecting to lose uh, and therefore my my interest is is kind of waning a little bit you know don't get me wrong I'm still going to watch every game but I I don't I don't look look for the next fixture I don't pray for the next fixture you know it's because it's just another opportunity for them to to disappoint us so hopefully hopefully things can can t- you know turn up again. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not only only going to be happy when we're winning every game. I just want us to show a little bit more fight on the pitch and and just to be just to be worth watching. I want to, you know, I want us to be it, it to be worth me spending my time watching Tottenham because I, at the end of the day, they're, they're the club I love and and I, I want to see us playing good football. I want to see us winning football matches uh, and I want to be entertained when we're watching us. That's one of the most important things for us. Now, Tommy, in an ideal world, you'd just say, right, do you know what, put all your legs, sorry, all your eggs in a Europa League basket, be done with it, win that, and everything's grand. But unfortunately, football isn't easy like that. So how do we approach that and the league? You can't sort of just throw the league as not a going concern, but really, it's becoming a bit of a lost cause, isn't it? It absolutely is. But uh, no, we can't. We certainly cannot throw the league. If we throw anything, we throw Europa League. We cannot throw the league. Because it has a massive impact on who we can sign next season, and you know we're talking about uh, potential new signings and outgoings. Uh, as a Spurs fan, that's all we can really look. That's what I'm looking forward to, really. Let's get this season out of the way. And of course, I'll still be watching every game, like James. I'll still be watching every game. But um, Premier League's got to be the one because if we do somehow sneak into the top four, players will look at that. Players will be looking at the top four. Um, they want to play Champions League football, and if we don't make the Europa League then, you know, the players we're going to be going for a bargain bin. We're going to have to look in a bargain bin. We're going to have to look at the Burnleys. No, no disrespect to Burnley. They're the only sort of players that will, that will want to come. You know, we can't. Can we, can we take players from Everton, Aston Villa? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure we can. So the league has to be the priority. Top four would be fantastic. It's a long shot at the moment. It's a long shot at the moment. Above, above West Ham. We have to finish above West Ham. Oh, my, if we do not finish above West Ham... I'm confident we'll finish above Arsenal, whatever happens. But, yeah, that would be a horror. That would absolutely be a horror. 
Well, that task is getting harder by the week, but we'll, um, we'll focus on that in a minute very quickly. But Carl, I just want to go back to Saturday very quickly, because Gareth Bale came on as a third sub and offered us one cameo. The kind of one where you watch, I don't know, Soccer Aid, and you watch someone from the in-betweeners do a bit of skill and think, <laughs> well, actually, he could turn pro. Now, obviously, yeah. Bale's not trying, to, um, not trying to go pro or anything, but does that glimpse offer anything, or are we at the point where we're just trying to clutch at any straw that he offers us? Yeah, I guess guess this is the problem, isn't it? Because if I remember rightly, he almost had a kind of similar run in his first game against West Ham, didn't he? Where he really should have scored the, the winning goal for us um, and just put the shot wide. You know, it was a quick one-two with either foot pass inside a guy. Um, it was encouraging to see. Um, but again, you know, you, you're not, I, I wouldn't get too excited about that one moment, you know, if we suddenly start to, because the problem I think with that is he does not going to get a run of games. Jose clearly doesn't fancy him in the manner where he wants to give him a run of games. And Jose isn't a guy who's, you know, he's not a red type character who is just going to say, well, I'm going to throw this guy in just and, you know, give him, you know, stick my worst defender up against him in training and get his confidence up. Jose is not going to go down that route. And unfortunately, you know, he threw him on knowing there was nothing to lose. Um, I don't see him suddenly, you know, thrusting him into sort of bigger games just like that all of a sudden thinking, oh, maybe, you know, that one little thing was it that's going to do it all. You know, we saw the kind of dig about the tweets and, and the Insta social media posts from him. So that there's something not right there. But, you know, could could Gareth do that if he's given more more of a run? we would only ever know if the guy gets a run. And I, I don't honestly see that coming, to be honest. Now, James, let's say there was a lack of confidence between supporters going into Saturday's game. With that in mind, does a 3-0 defeat almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy? Because everyone's just like, well, we're going to get battered. You know, some of them were quoting fours, fives, sixes. It was kind of the mid-range. It wasn't as bad, but it kind of like, well, this is what we all expected. I think it was just as bad, really, just because of the way the game plan, uh, the game went, you know, the game panned out. It was, uh, it it was one of them. It might as well have been a four-five-six because it, it was only Man City's finishing, and 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 well, there was no positives from our end. There was no way we were ever going to score. I don't think um, we didn't really create anything, and we kind of just it, it, we just went through the motions. Um, you know, it, it, fair enough. It was it was a write-off of a game. Um, I, I I still had some kind of vague hope that we might pull off a, a masterclass and, and and nick a draw, but you know it, it became very apparent that that wasn't going to happen pretty quick. Just because as soon as they scored, uh, that was game over for me because I I just couldn't see us couldn't see us getting one. Um, so yeah, three three nil on paper. You you might have taken it before the game. Um, but I think that just speaks volumes of where we're at as a club at the moment. The the confidence levels around the club that we are happy with, a, well, ha- happier with a three nil loss because you know because it's not as humiliating as as it could have been, or it's not as humiliating as other teams or or what we were expecting. But uh, still not ideal. But yeah, could have been worse. Let's let's scratch that one off and and we we go again. Okay, then Tommy. Final question to you. It's about Davinson Sanchez. So. Two goals in midweek. Come the weekend, he's in the meme factory, isn't he? Images everywhere of that kind of collapse on the floor. The thing is, if you apply the same standards, John Terry was a national hero at the 2010 World Cup for something similar. So are we as a fan base using preconceived bias to use another opportunity to bash the Colombian? Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit dangerous putting Dan- uh, Davison Sanchez in the same bracket as John Terry. But 
you know, at the same time, his first season for the club was absolutely brilliant. He was fantastic. And he warranted his, you know, 40 million transfer from Ajax. He really did. He looked, uh, he looked a well-beater. You know, that's why Barcelona were in for him, 100 million pounds. They were talking about the first season. But he seems to have, yeah, he seems to have fallen off the cliff after that. It's not just the last few games, not just the last season. The end of Pochettino's uh, reign, he was a liability, absolute liability. And I'm not sure what he was doing. For that. Yeah, there's, there's memes everywhere. I, I'm not sure. I think it was breakdancing. I'm not sure what he was doing <laughs> with that Gundogan go. But uh, yeah, I mean, Gundogan's five foot four, smallest man on the pitch. I think Sanchez, the tallest, is six foot, six foot four. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Um, he deserves he deserves the stick coming his way, and I don't think he needs any more stick. He just doesn't play anymore. You know, you won't have the stick. Just you know, you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be playing in this uh, in this Spurs side. Give Roden a chance, and as I think Kyle said, give Tanganga a chance. We've got to blood one of the young players now to the end of the season. Um, yeah, his time's over as far as I'm concerned. Righto, let's finish with a prediction for Sunday. It's West Ham, and is it a chance to uh, get some revenge after that three-three thriller? So. Tommy, I'll start with you. What have you got for me, mate? Right. So, huge game. Absolutely huge game. Mourinho, I think, well, we lost four of the last five in the Premier League. It, it can't be five. It can't be five out of six. And we're going to be on the hunt for blood after that. You know, 3-0 up, 81st minute, and they come back. They come back uh, and get 3 all. I think it's going to be a humbling on the cards. I think we're going to do some damage. I really do. I think Kane's going to be back to his best. Uh, I, think, I think we'll win by two goals. So, I think 3-1. Maybe 4-2. Yeah, we're, we're going to smash West Ham. An entertainer for you then. James, what have you got for me, mate? Uh, I wish I could be as confident. Um, I, I, I still think we'll, we'll nick it. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to do a, a, typical, a typical Tottenham. I think we're going to win 1-0. Right, now, Carl, what have you got? Four. I, I, these guys, I, I, can't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Um, the, West Ham are our, are our bogey side, aren't they? Um, they? They love it. I, I'm not confident at all. I, th- I think we're going to lose the game, unfortunately. Really? I can see us probably losing 2-1, uh, 3-1, something like that. I'm really not confident going into this game. They're on a high. That you know, Defensively, I don't think we've got the capabilities to keep any team out at the moment. Um yeah, I just think it's going to go flat for us, unfortunately. Two or three one defeat, I'm afraid. OK, I'll bring it back a little bit. I think it'll be a 2-2 draw at Desmond. Um, I think, you know, the uh, the shackles will probably be off again. I don't think we'll be as defensive as we were, you know, as we have been. But I just don't think, with confidence being as it is and West Ham on the ascendancy, I think they'll smell blood and they'll get something. So I, th- I reckon a draw, unfortunately. But, you know, say unfortunately, it might be the bedrock for a platform to uh, positive things elsewhere. Right, that's that bit of admin out of the way. The next bit is to thank my three Pod Squad members for tonight. Tommy, a fantastic debut. Thanks for getting involved. I hope you enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was my first time. Podcast virginity. Wow. But, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And, yeah, some really, really, uh, really good talking points. Top man, would you like to come back at some point? Absolutely. Be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Be fantastic. And I've got a new... I've just started a YouTube channel, Spurs Zone TV. So if anybody can check that out, previews, reactions, live watch-alongs, check that out. Be fantastic. There you go. Check that out as well. James, Sterling return to, uh, well, form this evening. Thanks for joining me once more. No problem. Thanks very much again, Dan. Cheers, mate. And Cole, thanks for running the channels as always. I hope you'll be back next Monday. Definitely, mate. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully, that that's hope. We, we've got a result that can give us something to kind of enjoy, especially against the team it's going to be against. Well, we'll beat them. 
<laughs> Hang on, yeah. Cole. You said we were going to lose a minute ago. Let's work. I, I did. I, listen, I want us to win. Right. I want right. us to win. My heart, my head is just saying it's not going to happen. But honestly, I'll be the happiest man alive if we do. Well, let's hope you're happy next Monday. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.